Turn in your Bible to the book of Judges, the book of Judges. Now, we're just going to ramble a little bit tonight. Rambling can be good for you once in a while. We're going to be here, and then we're going to be there. We are in the book of Judges, and we're going to look at chapter 4 and chapter 5. So, of course, we're not going to look at every verse, comment on every little point there. But kind of get the highlight of this, I think, is uh, beneficial. Now, we know that in the book of Judges, they were individuals that God raised up to deliver the people a savior, a deliverer, because the people had left God. And when they leave God, they choose for themselves false gods. And when they begin to worship false gods, then God has to sell them into slavery. He brings in other nations to whoop them. Now, if you listen to what happens to these people here, you will find out what God will do in your own personal life. Because things ain't changed. They haven't changed. And so once they're sold into slavery, then they don't like it, so then they cry out to God, Woe is us! Have mercy, mercy, mercy! And so God raises up a person in order to deliver them. Now sometimes there's a, there's a man that can do the job. And when God can't find a man, I guess God will find a woman. You know, a woman in the hands of God is better than a man that's not in the hands of God. Wouldn't you agree with that? So can God use women? Well, of course. Christ came into this world because of a woman through a woman. And, you know, if it hadn't have been for Eve, you know, none of us would be here. So God has used the women. And I'm so thankful for my mom because without my mom, I wouldn't be here. So I'm thankful for the Lord using women. In a lot of churches, if it wasn't for the women, there wouldn't be a ministry. Sometimes even the girls go to mission fields because the guys won't go. And it, that's a shame. Wouldn't it be great if men would just step up to the plate and be men and be strong leaders? But um, here we have a story about a woman named Deborah. And Deborah, well, she uh, was called a prophetess. But look there in verse 1 of chapter 4. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. So what would happen if you stopped serving the Lord? So whenever... God's leaders died off. Well, the people did what they did before. They get back into that old cycle. You see, people need leaders. You need leaders. This is why every home, the man is supposed to be the spiritual head of the home. He's to be a, a leader. In a lot of cases, the man is not a spiritually strong individual. So you want to have a man that will take charge. Now you find out that, lo and behold, Israel has, well, they've been evil again. Going through this cycle. So in verse 2, and the Lord, and here's that word again, sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. Now look up here just for a second. Uh, you have the Dead Sea. See it? There's a Dead Sea right there. You can see that, right? That's the Dead Sea. Now up here you have the Sea of Galilee. 
And then the Jordan River runs from this sea down to the Dead Sea. And I've been there a number of times. I've floated in the Dead Sea. I've preached up on the, uh, the Sea of Galilee on a number of occasions. First time was with Dr. Hank Lindstrom back in 1985 when Betty and I went over there and we were celebrating our 25th anniversary. So here you have Mount Tabor. Mount Tabor is right at the end there, like of uh, the Sea of Galilee, and there's, there's Mount Tabor. Now, Mount Hermon's on up here toward the north. Uh, Dan settled up into that area. Now, Canaan was over here into this area. So you have Barack, and this is not Barack Obama, but there was a Barack. I don't think there's much difference between the two of them, as I look at this, but there was Barack. And so here's Samaria. And so if you kind of get an idea where some of these things take place, uh, even talks about Kadesh. Uh, but Kadesh is not, is, is actually it's Ephraim, but it's not the Kadesh Barnea that's down in the southern part of Judah. We know whenever they left the, uh, Egypt and they came through the wilderness there in 11 days journey and they came to Kadesh Barnea, that was a different place. So this is another individual place. So anyway, you look there in verse 2, And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And the reason they cried is because they were in subjection. For almost 20 years they were oppressed by the Canaanites. So whenever they get enough, then they start crying out to God, and God deliver us from this devastating dilemma. Now, these people had 900 tanks, um, chariots. Here in verse 3, And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron. So figure up how many horses, how many people on the chariots. Now, this was a mighty army. The Bible tells us that they were a mighty force to deal with. And the thing is, Israel didn't have many leaders. There were not enough men that would take leadership and do anything about this. So the Bible says in verse 4 that Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, which some say that this is supposed to be the man's name, and others say that it just means that she had a fighting spirit. I don't really know. I don't care. You can look up all kinds of things on these things. But she judged Israel at that time. So here's a woman, maybe with a fiery spirit. But whatever she was, she put the men to shame. God used a woman. And God told her what to do. So in verse 6 says, And she sent and called Barack Obama, no, I'm missing, Barack the son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh, Naphtali. See, that's a, a tribe, the tribe of Naphtali. And said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulon. Now, they would have had a pretty good size no resistance force here. 
If these two represented 10,000, that means 5,000 from each tribe, but if you had 12 tribes and 5,000 from each tribe, you'd have 60,000 people. So that, that would be pretty good. But the problem was not everybody wanted to get into this battle. It's kind of like Obama trying to get a coalition together to go after ISIS, and you can't get the people to do anything. And the thing is, all the ones that are helping him right now are the ones we got problems with. But why they announced that they're going to bomb these certain targets so that people got time to get out is beyond me. So something's wrong with this picture. But anyway, I'm just going to have to let those people in Washington handle it because they haven't called me yet on what they want me to do about it. But you'll notice here it says, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor and take with thee 10,000 men. And I got a job for you. So here's these um, Canaanites with 900 chariots. And you got 10,000 and you're going to go and take them. So Deborah tells Barak, says, um, here's what I want you to do. In verse 7, I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon Sisera the captain of Jabin's army with his chariots, 900 of them, and his multitude. So it's just not the chariot, multitude. And I will deliver him into thy hand. And Barak said, yeah, right. Uh, what do you want me to do now? Give it to me one more time. I want you to take the 10,000, and you're to take and go up toward Mount Tabor. And on Mount Tabor, I want you to wait until I give you a signal, and we're going to lure him towards you. Ta-da! You're to bait. We're going to lure them in. You know, they got all of these chariots and multitude, but there's 10,000 of you. You see why sometimes your heart can fail when you see a problem that's bigger than you can handle. And that happens a lot. It doesn't just happen here in this period of time. It happens in our lives. That we wonder how in the world is God going to get me out of this? And so you have to wait and see. And lo and behold, you and I won't appreciate it till we get to heaven and find out the little miracles that God did behind the scenes working. Because in this story... It's really an awesome story how that a few people is going to whoop all them Canaanites with 900 chariots, multitudes. So he says here, I want you to do this. So he says in verse 8, And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if you're not going with me, I ain't going to go. So here's the man, a man telling a woman, I'll go if you go, but if you don't go, I'm not going. So it's amazing that the strength that this man is able to muster together because she says, I will go. So he says here in verse 9, and she says, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. It's not for your honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into thy hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. 
So they have a plan. Now this plan was given to them by God. So how is this woman and a scaredy cat man going to work this miracle against Canaan with 900 chariots and a multitude of people and they're going to lure them into this trap? Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Make a good movie, wouldn't it? Anyways, you go down through here and you see these things and so on. Look there in verse 13. Now, years before when Moses was coming out, remember uh, his father-in-law was a Kenite. And now as years have passed, look there in verse 11. I'll just show you this. And now Heber the Kenite, which was of the children of Hobad, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent unto the plains of Zemnam, which is by Kadesh. And they showed Sisera that Barak the son of Ben-Noam was gone up to Mount Tabor. So somebody there squealed and told them where they were. So it's amazing how that God has a way of taking all the things that seemed like it would go against you and can work it to your advantage. God wanted him to go there. So the person at the right place at the right time says the right thing. And so he knows where to go and he's lured right in. And so he makes a statement here in verse 13. And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him. And they came to the river Kishon. So you know that down in the valley there is the, the river. It's um, like in the plains of Megiddo because that's right over here in this area. And this is where the last great battle is going to be. So there's a great valley in here. I was standing up there on the tail, which is they call it Megiddo. And you can look out in that plain and all of a sudden I saw this thing open up like this. And a jet flies out from another thing. And then it closes back down. And it looks just like a big old field. You can't even see it. You didn't know it was there. But we happened to be there at the right time and we saw that. But anyway, there's going to be a great battle there someday. But look what he says down here in verse 14. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? And Barak says, he did. I mean, he wasn't the most confident, boldest man you probably have ever met in your life. But So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and 10,000 men after him. And get this, the Lord discomforted. It means they gave him a rout. It means they defeated him. It means they overthrew them. 10,000 overthrew him. But it doesn't tell you all that happened, all the details. Well, what did he do? How did he do it? But it just says here that in uh, all of his chariots and all of his hosts, with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot, fled away on his feet. So now he was running for his life when uh, little Jordan would be outside and we'd go to play a little football. Well, I could outrun him then. So 
I would throw them the football and then I'd start chasing. I said, run for your life, run for your life. So he'd start running for his life. And of course I'd catch him and I'd grab a hold of him and roll him over on the ground. Oh, I loved it. He, he loved it too. And so Eddie sent me a picture the other day where they played against this football team and uh, Jordan was going to you know, go out for a pass. And so they threw the ball. Jordan caught the ball, made a touchdown. And the score was 42 to nothing. So they really, what they call it, discomforted them. It was called a rout. Overthrew them. And um, I says, did y'all play the kindergartens? <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, I'm proud that he made a touchdown. I think it was his first touchdown. But now, notice what it says here. This man was running for his life. I emailed Jordan later, and I said, Jordan, I said, remember what Papa always said? Run for your life. <laughs> you get the ball, and they're coming after you. Me, I turn around and say, you want the ball? You can have the ball, or you run for your life. But look what he says here. He fled away. And then in verse 16, but Barak pursued after the chariots and after the hosts until Herosheth of the Gentiles and all the hosts of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword and there was not a man left. Now, would you say that's a pretty good fight? But you don't find any details. Now, there's a detail here about how Sisera got killed and it talks about how that he went there to, you know, because he was the, went there in this, Place. Look in verse 17. Howbeit Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. And there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazar, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. Of all the places that he had to go, and they had already broke off from the Kenites, and then he is looking for a place of safety. And so he goes to the place, and there's the wife. So he says here in Verse 18, Jael went out to meet Sisera. She is a woman. Said unto him, Turn in, my lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. And he said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. Again he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee, say, Is there any man here? Thou shalt say, No. So he told her what to say and took a nap. I mean, he's had a hard day. He'd been running for his life. He's tired. And he's thirsty. So he goes to sleep. It's not good to close your eyes when there's a woman around. There's a, there's a reason that this is in here. Does it remind you a little bit of a guy named Samson who went to a woman's barbershop? When I used to read that, I said, man, I'll never go to a woman's barbershop. Ain't no woman going to cut my hair. Well, I have now been to a woman's barbershop, and they've cut my hair. But anyway, you go back here, and you'll find out uh, something happened in verse 20. Again, he said unto her, stand in the door. And in verse 21, then Jael, Heber's wife, took a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand, went softly unto him, smote the nail into his temples and fastened it into the ground. For he was fast asleep 
and weary, and he died. Well, you would die too if you had your head nailed to the ground. I mean, I don't know how long this, this, this knife, this nail was that they put down the stakes for the tent, but uh, this woman did him in. And so remember where Deborah says, for Sisera is not for your honor and not for your glory, for he shall be taken by a woman. So here's a woman that did this man in. And here is Deborah, a woman that God used in order to free the people of Israel from the Canaanites. And now notice what happened. It says that in verse 22, And behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said unto him, Come, I will show thee the man whom thou seekest. And when he came into her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead, and the nail was in his temple. So God subdued on that day. Now wait a minute. What did God have to do with this? I mean, these people did this, right? But you know that behind the scene, God says and told Deborah, I'm going to give you victory. She believed what God said. She had to talk, you know, Barak into believing her, but victory did come. See, God doesn't always tell us how it's going to be accomplished. We just got to walk through it. And he'll walk with us through it. And you'll see how that God is going to work in your life. Now, see, a lot of people want to see God do something. But remember this. It's kind of like, you know, the big old elephant that's walking across a swinging bridge. Bong, 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 bong. And this mosquito comes along and gets a ride on the back of that elephant. When they get to the other side, that mosquito says, Boy, we really shook that bridge, didn't we? There's always somebody who wants to get credit for what somebody else did. But you see, in the next chapter, there's what we call the, the Song of Deborah. Now, when you go back to Deuteronomy, you also find that there was a song of Moses. A song of victory, when you come out of the in the book of Exodus, in chapter 14, they had this great victory going through the water, and, and then they had a victory song, giving God credit for what God did. Well, the same thing happened again here. But look down in verse 23. So God subdued on that day Jabin the king of Canaan before the children of Israel. God did this. But God used a woman. God used two women. God even used Barak. And look how many tribes there were. There are 12 tribes, but not all of the tribes came together. Not all of them helped in this time. You see, God called for help. God called for help, and they did not come. Just look over there very quickly in verse 23 of chapter 5, where it says, Curse ye, Meraz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because... They came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. God had a plan, but his plan included all the tribes of Israel uniting together, and God wanted that to be done. But does everybody always do what they're supposed to do? You'll find out sometimes in your Christian life how much easier it would have been in various parts of the ministry if everybody helped a little. A picture of five men up here, 
with a great big old log on their shoulder. And these five men are carrying this log, and they're going to take it over there. But that log is so heavy, and they can't get other people to help. And because they can't get somebody to help, a couple of those guys really get discouraged. And so two of them says, I quit. Now there's only three carrying that log. Is it heavier or lighter? Is it true that sometimes people just quit? And when they quit, the load doesn't get lighter. It gets heavier. It means that the load has been placed upon the shoulders of fewer individuals that's got to do the work. In almost every ministry, probably 10% of all the people do the work. Wouldn't it be neat if all the people was involved in doing all the work? But sometimes it doesn't work that way. So if everybody else isn't going to do it, I guess I won't either. Or are you the kind of a person, if it's just me and the Lord, I'm still going to do it and do what God wants you to do. But look there in verse 1. Then sang Deborah and Barak, they began to sing a song. Now, after they just had a victory, what should they do? Well, they sung. They were filled with joy. They were happy. They were praising the Lord. See in verse 2, praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel. And look at this part. When the people willingly offered themselves, people volunteered to obey God. See, God don't make you do things, but God will bless you if you do. And God, when he gets through, could make you wish you had of. Hmm. So this happens. Now look there in verse 4. Lord, when thou wendest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped, the clouds also of drop water, the mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. See, sometimes things happen like they used to happen. Well, God does once, he might do again. 